What a Circus is a podcast that invites you to listen in on a teen book club. You can find links to our monthly podcasts on our Twitter page at Galena Library or anywhere podcasts are found. Our original music is by Darren and Carson Elquist, and original art is by Katya Rogers. Chapter 7, The Painted Lady. We recently read Charlotte Bronte's classic, Jane Eyre. Because it's a classic and much denser and arguably harder than modern-day YA, we took two months to read it. The students were really glad they did. The ending, in particular, is nearly perfect. And it offered up some great material for analysis, too, since its themes and characters are still so well-known today. Reader, I married him, is a line known and beloved by many, and so I was delighted to be able to share a novel I have loved for so many years with such an eager and curious group. We began by discussing the various lenses through which one can read this novel. It is so packed with meaning, as one student pointed out, that you almost have to pick and choose where to start. He chose to begin with Bertha, a character pregnant with meaning in his view. The ending definitely was worth it. All of the different aspects we can look at this book through is really interesting, depending on the circumstances, the symbolism. It just made my literary heart flutter, especially with Bertha. Um, I found a couple ways you can read the character of Bertha. One of them was through the lens of critique of the government on how the monarchy was treating the their colonies at the time, which I was like, mm, okay. But my personal favorite was you read Bertha through the lens of she is a symbol of the passions and desires of both Jane Eyre and Mr. Rochester. Um, and I found that really interesting because every time that Jane is upset in the novel, it's not she that acts out, but Bertha. When Mr. Rochester dresses up like a gypsy, it's Bertha who's making weird sounds in the attic. And when Jane is having some anxieties about her wedding night, it's Bertha who comes into her room and rips her wedding veil. Um, and that would add the element of that Bertha's death was necessary for Jane and Mr. Rochester's marriage to happen on a deeper level than just the surface, oh, it's Mr. Rochester's wife. We also had an interesting talk about Jane. Some students wanted to try to understand why Jane hadn't just asked Mr. Rochester about Grace Poole and all the odd goings-on in the house. Why would she stay so mute when obviously there was danger around? I found it an example of just how far women have come the rights we now have, the freedom to speak our minds, that it took a while for these students to grasp that it was simply impossible for Jane to do so at that time. Yes, we still have a long way to go with regard to equality, but looking back, it's good to note the progress. I thought it was strange that he, would, he wouldn't even give her any clue who he thought it might be. Because he didn't really agree to Grace Poole mm-hmm. too much, so I thought it was confusing mm-hmm. when it all panned out. 
because he gave her no answers to me. Throughout the majority of the book, I was just frustrated that Jane didn't really air out her frustrations and like ask like what was going on or really like stand up for herself and just kind of let everything kind of happen. And so I really wanted her to just like bust out and like ask him like what's going on, like to finally figure it out, like what's like going on behind closed doors. But why, why didn't she say anything? Why couldn't she say anything? I think it's because all her life she's learned to keep those feelings inside instead of take it all out on somebody like she did with her aunt in the beginning. True. Partly, but why else couldn't she say anything? Maybe she was afraid to know the truth. I, I think I'm thinking even simpler. Like not about Jane's emotions, but why can't Jane ask Mr. Rochester the hard questions? It's not her place. It's not her place. He's her boss. We also discussed what had to change in Jane's life in order for her to be able to meet Mr. Rochester on equal terms. And we realized it was quite a lot. Prior to the marriage, Mr. Rochester had all the say in the relationship. He had the money, he had the power, and he, he was the man of, of the relationship. At the end though, Mr. Rochester is blinded, missing a hand, and basically has lost everything. Jane, however, has inherited a very good sum of money from her uncle and nothing physical about her has changed. However, she notes that she's on equal footing with Mr. Rochester in everything, financial-wise and physical-wise, which is something that I found peculiar because it's almost as if Charlotte Bronte is relating being simply being a woman to a physical disability of blindness and being maimed takes that much to bring you guys down to our level. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe at the time, right? Yeah, at As the time. As they were seen within the yeah. structures. Well, that and a bit more, because <laughs> uh, she had to, like, get more money and all this stuff to even be seen at the same level as someone who had a physical disability. So even less than being blinded. Yeah, she became financially independent, Yeah, and that enabled her to meet him on equal terms. And of course, what about Sinjin, the other man who wants to marry Jane? What is his role in the novel, and what does he bring to the arc of her story? He kind of serves as like a, almost a foil to Mr. Rochester, where Mr. Rochester is like, oh, I have all this money and I'm so cool. And then Sinjin is like, just come to me, come with me to uh, India and we can serve and it'd be fun. And so you have this idea that he's not really a, a rich man per se, but that he's very focused and knows exactly what he wants. And he goes for it in a very direct manner where Mr. Rochester kind of dances around what he wants before getting to the, the meat of the matter. Um, but also, I, he kind of objectifies Jane in that he he doesn't want to marry her for 
her being a person. He wants to marry her for her being able to serve others, which, I mean, Jane seemed like she was moderately okay with as long as she didn't marry him. I didn't find it terribly flattering. Due to time, we had to cut our recording short, but some students still had things to say. Here, recorded at a later date, are further thoughts that just kept coming. Do you think Mr. Rochester was like in the wrong for wanting to marry Jane while he was still married to like that psychopath woman that he locked in her attic, his attic? Yes and no. I I don't know. I feel like you shouldn't have to remain miserable and like yeah. in a relationship that you don't like to be in. But also like he's definitely at fault for some stuff here. Like yeah. he needed to come clean. He needed to to both parties. Mm -hmm. and like talk about it but I don't think it was wrong of him to want to marry Jane or maybe it was wrong of him to want to marry Jane right away mm -hmm. but not to be in love with Jane yeah I feel like it, nowadays he would have been able to divorce her and that's like significant to that time period because mm -hmm. he had no escape except her death right. or his death so I think, honestly, he was in the right there mm -hmm. for wanting to be happy. Let's see here. I found it interesting. Right from the off, Charlotte Bronte starts with some foreshadowing uh, with this idea that we find our heroine Jane Eyre locked in the red room. She, as any child is, is afraid of ghosts and like the dark spookiness. And in a way, our heroine, Jane Eyre, continues to be in the Red Room as she travels to Thornfield Hall. And those same fears that she had as a child of ghosts and demons sort of almost become real with this mysterious, brooding, mirthless laugh that she continues to hear throughout the novel, which at the end is re uh, um, revealed to be Bertha Mason. I really enjoyed that little foreshadowing of, hey, sh this is what her childhood fear is, come to fruition as she is an adult. Kind of reminded me of Cinderella at one point in the book, how Mrs. Reed absolutely hated Jane because her husband loved Jane more than um, he loved Mrs. Reed and how she just would never forgive Jane for that or Mr. Reed for that. So it was funny how that was kind of like Cinderella and how she fell in love with the big, I guess Mr. Rochester wasn't too rich, but he was pretty, he was well off. Um, so she fell in love with her prince. She found her prince in the book. As you said that, it kind of like dawned on me, like the attic and the wife, like she and Jane are complete opposites. Like mm. she started out like outside living her life and then ended up like in that attic and oh, trapped yeah. in the marriage. Versus Jane, like, all her life was just trying to get out into the open mm -hmm. and, like, leave her life and become a new person. And they just were complete opposites. And it's funny that Rochester ended up with, you know, both of them at one point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. Rochester makes a lot of questionable choices in this book. And I find that he's really not one of my favorite characters. So it was kind of like the... OG original Hallmark movie. 
Jane Eyre was a good book. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something that I normally would have picked up on my own. So I'm d- glad that we got like yeah. this exposure to it. And it's good to start, you know, reading these like, mm-hmm. sooner rather than later, too. Definitely. Because, like, the age that she was at when she was at the school, like, and growing up, like, that kind of, like, has to do with us mm-hmm. now, like, how old we are. It's just interesting to see her grow in so many different ways. And oh, I'm definitely. Like, compared to us. And comparing the perspectives of the time period to now is really interesting. Their values... They did, however, get married, and it was pretty nice, but also only when Jane and Mr. Rochester were on equal footing, which is a pretty great ending to a book, I will say that. Um, Of course, that declaration at the end of Reader, I married him, so simple and yet so powerful, because Charlotte Bronte did not write, Reader, he married me, no, but I married him, showing that it was her choice, that no one else could have made that decision for her, and that she had the strength and the independence to say that on her own two feet. And for the time that Jane Eyre was written at, I find that to be very daring of Charlotte Bronte, and that just makes it all the more amazing. I think that a lot of people would like this book I give it a 9 because of the storyline and how the author wrote it and how she kept so many things a secret and didn't even foreshadow it, or she did, and we just didn't catch it unless we reread it over and over again. So it's definitely very a very interesting book. While some students are glad our annual classic is behind us, others are already excited for next year. As an English teacher and librarian, I know I come to this with bias, but I am always happy to see students read things that have become common illusions in society. The more you know, well, the more you know. It's that simple. Next month, we will be reading Dry by Neil and Jared Schusterman, the dystopian novel about the water taps going dry and what quickly becomes of humans neighbors even, when our survival is on the line. It's a page-turner that will keep you up far too late at night, but it's also deeply unsettling, since with each passing year, our climate is changing in ways that could alter these students' futures. Please join us next month as we talk climate versus the lifestyles we are accustomed to and the book that has us thinking about it all. We'll see you next month.